There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent. And yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories. From the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness with Atrix and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Hello, everyone. This is Danielle Jackson. Welcome to the show today. Today, we'll be speaking with Natalia Alexander. There are many ways to become a parent. And today's episode just features Natalia Alexander, who will be sharing her experience to parenthood with the support of IVF. Natalia and her husband have been trying to conceive for over a year prior to her finding out that she had fibroids and may prevent her from conceiving naturally. After numerous tests and procedures, they found out that the fibroids were not the issue. This broke them emotionally, but they decided that they would try to conceive through IVF. Once that decision was made, Natalia knew she had to rebuild her faith because without it, she wouldn't be mentally or emotionally healthy for the baby's arrival. Hello, Natalia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Now, we always start off with just um, our fam- you sharing a little bit about your family and telling us about yourself. Okay. So I'm a little nervous if I start to crack. <laughs> you know no, why. Um, so I am a 31-year-old female. I um, reside in Rhode Island. Um, small state, in case anyone isn't aware where we are located. Um, I am a wife and a mother to an amazing um, eight-month-old baby girl named Mia. I am also lucky enough to be a bonus mom because I despise the word stepmother um, Mm. to an amazing six-year-old little girl named London. Um, aside from my immediate household, I have a huge family. I'm of Cape Verdean and Honduran descent. So we have a huge family on both ends. And I'm just blessed to have the support and love that I have and have been able to have a family who can also receive the same kind of love. That sounds amazing. That's awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Um, yes. Yeah. So through obviously with IVF, it wasn't the route that I was hoping and always dreamed of taking. <laughs> so I remember always growing up and being from a family with a lot of kids and huge families and 
understanding what they, you know, is the normal, I guess, in society's eyes dynamic of a household. I always dream, like, I would get married, have kids, have this big old house. And um, uh, I actually, my husband and I had met um, while we were in college and we dated on and off for a while, um, but we decided to date seriously um, in 2013. And um, we were married in 2015. And of course, um, the goal was, you know, get married, have kids. And um, it didn't happen as easily as we expected. So as you mentioned, it took us a little while. and It was a little, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to the doctors and I said, all right, you know, of course, with Google now, which I know is dangerous, you Google all these different ways to get pregnant and what to do to get pregnant. And they recommend all these different lubricants and the different positions and the different, all the different um, experts on Google that tell you how to get pregnant because typically you're just supposed to do the act and there you are, it is. Um, right, right. Pregnant. You know, that's what the, I guess, supposed normal process is. And after a while of it not happening that way, I was becoming discouraged. And, you know, I spoke with my doctor and originally my first doctor said, well, you know, you're still young. You're only 28, so you shouldn't really be worried. Um, It could just be the timing of everything. It could be the stress. It could be a lot of different factors. And I'm like, well, how? Like, I'm like, I don't think I'm stressed. I think everything's fine. How come it felt like some people could just blink and become pregnant? And here I was, like, healthy in my perspective and doing everything right. And yet here I am in this predicament. So um, right. because I, I wasn't really liking her answer, I went and got a second opinion. <laughs> so um, in, my sec- in my second opinion, I actually went through a process of different tests. So I had different ultrasounds and I also I actually had an internal ultrasound where they actually used the uh, method of inserting the probe into the uterus to do a better analysis of what's going on in there of mm-hmm. scan. So in the scan, they found that I had at one point there were two cysts and some fibroids that were growing. Um, so the doctor at that time at a hospital here in Rhode Island had said, "Well, that may be." the reason why um, it's not working or why you're not able to conceive naturally, which, you know, and I did my research, I'm like, fibroids aren't really supposed to prevent you from, um, the type of fibroids that I thought I had prevent you from getting pregnant. And so I went through, and I can't even imagine how many different tests, I think they were about after, there's probably like 10 scans that I went through. Oh, wow. And you can imagine, like after all those appointments, after all the blood work, after being poked and scanned in every which way possible, I was just bent out, and I haven't even gone to the part of what's going on. Um, and even still in that time, my husband and I are still trying to conceive, and it just still was not happening. Um, so I didn't, you know, the at the end, the outcome was, your pregnancy is the un- unexplained infertility. <laughs> so after all of that, for them to tell me basically that they can't really determine why I'm not conce- get, um, able to conceive. And so that was discouraging. Um, and at that point, I said, you know what? I think I need to go to a fertility clinic 
um, maybe they can give me some answers. So I went to the first fertility clinic, um, went through a process called IUI, which uh, is in, in it's an insemination of the sperm. So what they do is they kind of help you. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do is they'll take the sperm and inject it into my uterus in hopes that it kind of gives the uh, sperm an advance instead of having to travel through the tubes if they're actually in there and only mm -hmm. have to implant itself into the egg. Mm -hmm. I went through that, um, and they said, in two weeks, you'll know if you're pregnant. So, of course, you know, you go through that. You're, like, waiting two weeks. Because you're like, of course, this is going to work. Like, what easier way is there? The sperm is just there, and it just has to attach to the egg. Mm -hmm. So I went through that, um, anxiously waited for the phone call from the doctor's office, get the call, and it didn't work. So I'm like, okay. So then, of course, it's like, well, we can keep trying and see what happens. And I did that about four times. So, and, you know, as you can imagine, it was an emotional process every time because you're going through, and not only for me, but also for my husband, because on top of having to go through this for himself, he also has to be my support system because it was a very trying time for me because I was feeling inadequate. I felt like what I thought my purpose was on this earth, <laughs> um, I felt like I was failing as a wife and I felt like I was failing in my hopes of becoming a mom um, because I wasn't able to do it the way everyone else was. Um, and, you know, at that point, the doctor, she just seemed disconnected. And she's like, you know what? I don't know what to tell you at this point. You've done it four times. Um, it's not working. Maybe you need to look into adoption. Wow. So I'm like, okay. I was like, but aren't there other options? Like, I'm not going to just give up right there. Um, and this is at the fertility clinic, right? Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was in, so I had to say, how about IVF? And, you know, she had said, well, you know, if it didn't work through this way, I don't know if you want to waste your time. Mm. So, and I, you know, I had my own reserves about that doctor's office overall and the population they were serving and right. who they really wanted to cater to. So mm. I, you know, and at that point, my husband's like, you know what? we just have to stop. Like, this isn't fair to you. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to, like, I don't think you should keep putting your body through this. Like, let's give it a break. But I just, I didn't want to give it a break because I didn't want five years to go by and it still didn't happen. And I could have done something five years ago. Um, so um, God bless my husband's patient. Um, so we went to another fertility clinic. Um, the first appointment, I explained to them my journey and what had happened, and they had an offer. Um, they suggested IVF, okay. and um, that is where like the journey actually for me began was through IVF and the whole IVF process. And um. The, and it's still emotional for me to even talk about it, even though I obviously had a child from it. <laughs> so, um, hmm. <laughs> sorry. No apologies. What's your truth? Um, so, 
we went to the first appointment and, you know, at this point I've kind of beat myself up because I just, you know, and especially because my husband already had a child from my perspective, it wasn't him. So it's like, it's not you that's the problem because you already conceived. It's me. And of course he never agreed with that statement, but in the moment you can't take yourself out of that feeling. Um, so, you know, the doctor explained what IVF was. It was going to be a, several rounds, possibly, but there was going to be a lot of injections of hormones, um, which would be very, uh, could be overwhelming to the body, especially because it's an injection that you, I'm having to complete myself. Um, and then I would probably have to take some medications and be doing regular blood work just to make sure I'm, so they're monitoring me. And for me and for my husband and I, like, I wanted a child so bad that this felt like this was the only option I had. Um, And so we agreed to do it. And uh, it took, so we made that decision sometime in December. And I had started undergoing the treatment um, two weeks later. So I was taking some medications, which would increase my hormone levels. And I was also injecting myself with a hormone um, drug. Um, And that was for about five days straight. And I would go in for regularly for monitoring. And then once they, I was able to develop a certain amount of eggs, I went in for a retrieval, which meant that I had to undergo surgery where they went in and removed my, my eggs. Mm-hmm. And again, they had to utilize my husband's sperm and inject it directly into the eggs under like a microscope. Once the eggs grew to a certain point, the egg was then injected back into my body a week later. Um, so I again went back in a week later. Um, the eggs were injected. And um, lucky for us, the first round worked. And uh, yeah, so we were able to receive the news in January that I was pregnant, and it was, like, the hugest weight lifted off my shoulder. And, you know, you think, you know, obviously it was the greatest blessing because I now have a beautiful eight-month-old baby girl. But, you know, even the journey to delivery, I was afraid every step of the way because I'm like, no, even still, I'm like, it can't be that easy. Like, it worked for me the first round. Like, that's so rare. And with everything I've been through, I'm like, how did that happen so quickly? Um, So throughout my whole pregnancy, I was just like, oh, God, what if something happens? Like, I was very cautious about certain things. I was hesitant to tell certain people because I was afraid that they would put some kind of wish on me that something would happen. And I just, you know, you would think it would end after that process. Like, all right, I'm pregnant. That's it. But it really didn't. And for me, until I was able to hold her in my arms, and for me, that was like everything that I had gone through in the previous two years was so worth it in that moment, and still is to this day. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> no, thank you. It's so much to pull from that, too. Like when you first started talking about the doctors. You know, these ideas that people always say, like, don't worry, um, you know, and I'm so happy that you went and got a second opinion because that would have been, you know, just it. Like, you go to a doctor, they tell you no, in a sense, you know, and then it's like, you know, um, 
seeking out the care that you actually need going from one place to the next like okay i gotta know here i gotta know there um right and like just keep going um and, and for some people that you know that is too much or that they can't handle all that rejection because that's what it is you know yeah you're, feeling, you're already feeling um a certain way yourself and it's not anything you you did you know it's just it's just almost like they said unexplained you know what i mean like they couldn't figure exactly. it out so um and i know some people do take that answer like well my doctor said it's unexplained so I'll just keep trying and, and just for me something in me just said no I can't I can't just take that answer because like I said I didn't want time to go by and then you know it'd be to really be too late because you know at certain ages it becomes more difficult and you know it was unexplained to them but who know I you know God only knows if there really was something that was really preventing me from um, conceiving um, right. But I just couldn't take no for an answer. And I wanted to go through whatever it took because I knew what this meant to me and my husband and mm -hmm. for my family. Um, so, you know, by any means necessary, as hard as it was for me, um, as obviously the end result was the ultimate goal. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when we think about IVF, um, some things I think about are like on social media, like you'll see where women have like um, posted like their um, syringes. What oh yeah. Those pictures um, bring up for you. Like when you see those, are those triggers for you or are you um, just, um, no, you answer, go ahead. There are a lot of things I think are triggers um, mm -hmm. when it comes to IVF too, because even, you know, Certainly, you know, but I actually never followed any of those pages mm -hmm. because I felt like it was too much for me to even go back and relive that. And it's funny because people will joke like, are you so time for baby number two? And it's like, oh, honey, if you only knew what I went through for baby number one, you mm -hmm. wouldn't be asking me that question <laughs> mm -hmm. um, right. because I'm not going to go through that journey again. Um, and I, you know, I always said, like, obviously it was worth it for Mia, but I could not subject my body to that kind of pain anymore like and the pictures of the syringes aren't real mm -hmm. the first time I removed the syringe from the packet I cried mm -hmm. because I just couldn't believe that I had to the needle is so long mm -hmm. and I'm like how am I supposed to inject that into myself and it probably took me about 15 minutes like you know I had said to my husband like maybe you can do it and I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't have you do it. I have to do it myself because I have to watch it like, go in. And I even was like, I need, I need to be in the room by myself because I just couldn't even have anybody watch me do that. And it's because I, again, felt like this is not the normal way. Like, there's no way that, why? Why am I having to do this, even question it at that time? Because it's just so unreal. And it's like just from having to do all the medications and like, the feeling of how, like how I felt after I did the injection is just didn't, nothing felt right in the moment. And, you know, it was just like a lot of pain, a lot of tears. And that's why I don't like to follow those pages because it just brings me back to those moments. And I just kind of just want to live in the joy right. of yes. everything, right. you know, what the outcome was. And, mm -hmm. and I do feel guilty sometimes because I know that, and the reason for me wanting to do this podcast because there are still a lot of people to this day who don't know that I went through this. Mm. But I also know um, 
And part of my mission in life is to always be a support system to women like me. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's someone who probably within my own life who may be going through a struggle that I'm aware, unaware of because mm-hmm. people don't like to speak about IVF. It's shameful. And I completely understand that. And it's like, God forbid, a woman doesn't conceive the natural way. It's like um, unbelievable to some people, you know. And it's funny because I even had a friend when I had um, mentioned that I was going to do IVF. And he said, so you're basically trying to play God. Mm. And I'm like, wow, is that how you can, like, seeing it? Like, for me, I think God put this here on earth so that I have this ability. Like he knew right. that certain people would struggle, which is why he provided the science and provided these doctors who can provide me with this capability. I don't sense want to play God, but if that's how you perceive it, I guess that's your opinion. And, um, you know, even just in discussions, you'll hear people say like, oh my God, she had IVF. And it's like, not even talking about me, but talking about others. Like, mm-hmm. if they talk about celebrities that, oh, you know, she didn't have those two babies naturally. She definitely had IVF. And it's like, it doesn't matter what route somebody took. Like, that's their own personal journey and their own personal struggle. And who are we to judge how they conceive? Um, and that's I think me. some people need to be very mindful of the things that they say because you don't know anybody else's struggle and you don't know uh, the, what it entails until you actually go through it. I didn't understand how harmful the question for when you're going to have a baby is until I was being asked that question and couldn't have a baby. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times I feel like people don't know until they experience it themselves. And I'm very mindful of that. And even my friends, I'm like, don't ask about babies. Like, let me tell you, that's not a fun question to ask because you right. don't know. Um, yeah, and it's a hard thing, and it's very emotional. But I don't like it. To this day, clearly, it causes some kind of emotions for me because I just even still can't believe that I, I had to go through that. Um, and obviously, I have a blessing, but it is still a lot <laughs> um, yep. to go yes. through. And it's even, you know, it's been a blessing to see it become something that people are able to to do. And when you say, like, people are looking at it like you're playing God, like, when I think of it, it's like, everybody's here because God wanted them here. Like, regardless right. of how they got here. Like, there's no changing that part about God. Like, no matter what science you have, if you're here, it's because you're supposed to be here. Like, okay. Exactly. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So as you've gone through all this, it kind of feels like you're walking on eggshells through this pregnancy. How did you prepare for the birth? Was this something you were thinking about throughout the pregnancy or were you just wanting to, you know, kind of just make it? Did you put any preparation into your birth experience? Oh, I didn't. You know, and everybody, you know, you read all the parents and books and it's like, have a birth plan. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm just like, whatever it's supposed to be is going to be. Like, I didn't want to stress anymore. I didn't, I just didn't want to cause any stress on my body. Um, the only thing I planned on doing was working out, which I just wanted to live my normal life throughout mm-hmm. the entire pregnancy. Because to me, I felt like I was sending, like, you know, your baby feeds off of you, your energy, your yeah. kind of, and that's why I took it. So I'm like, you know what? I want my baby to know that this is how I live my life. I don't want them to feel any else of stress. I don't want them to feel any 
anything wrong. So I'm like, I'm just going to live. And whatever happens that day happens. And lucky for me, I had extremely, what I thought was easy pregnancy. Um, I was at work and like, actually I was at home and my water broke, but I really didn't know my water broke. I thought like (laughs) I was just leaking a little extra discharge them say. <laughs> right so I was like oh you know it's a little I've had some extra discharge over the last few months that's really what it is mm-hmm. um and I actually I was like mm, but you know what I'm a week away from my due date so let me just call the doctor so I called them and they're like you know just put a pad on and just if you soak through it then that's kind of sign that um your mortar may have broke and then you you know they say you expect to feel contractions and you know I'm like ah it's fine I'll go to work and um, I went to work, and then I'm like, oh, uh, something doesn't feel right here. So um, I just, I'm like, I think my water broke. So I went to the hospital. They're like, yeah, your water broke. And um, I just wasn't feeling contractions. But I actually went into labor, and I was in labor for, um, I think it was like, it started at like 4 o'clock. And then... Um, you know, I ended up getting, like, the epidural, which I was like, oh, you know, I tried so hard not to get it. I really did. You know, I had my mom around. My father was there. My grandmother was there. Just, mm-hmm. you know, coming in to check. And I'm like, and my husband obviously was there. And I'm like, no, I, I can do it. Walking up and down the hallways at the hospital because I didn't want the epidural. And then the pain became too much. And I'm like, I'm going to sit down, and you guys are going to bring me the epidural, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> And I waited till my mom left because she's like, don't get the epidural. I'm like, okay, don't you want to go home? And she went home, like, epidural, please. (laughs) Um, And um, I got the epidural, which was, for me, a breeze, which I was so nervous about. Um, And then the doctor's like, you know, just lay down. I don't think the baby's going to be here until about 4 or 5 a.m., just at the rate you're at, because I was only four centimeters dilated. And they're like, you could be there for a few hours. I'll come back at four to check on you. Um, so after this, it was a few hours had gone by. Um, and it was like around 10 o'clock and I was in the bed. And the, doc, um, the nurse was like, you know, I'm just going to put some uh, catheter in in case you have to go to the bathroom because you won't feel it. Obviously, with the epidural. And she's like, change the plans. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, the baby's coming out. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't feel like obviously I didn't feel anything. Um, and she was here within uh, like two pushes, and there was Mia. Oh. And I'm like, it couldn't have like, it, and I don't know if it's because of the way it was supposed to be, but I just it just couldn't have been any easier. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any mistake to that. And I think, you know, it's a blessing because it, after everything I had been through to have such an easy labor, it was just like, this is it. Like this was the plan. Like, I didn't have to plan it out because this is what it was supposed to be for me. Um, and that you've already so done something to the legwork. How about that? Exactly. Your journey. <laughs> right. It's like she was like, Mommy, you work so hard. I got this. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you closer to your mother then and your grandmother? So they wanted to be there? I am. Um, I am my mother's oldest. Um, my father's only baby girl and I'm his oldest also. <laughs> and um 
I'm very extreme close to my grandmother. I was raised in the same house. Mm-hmm. So um, our family is pretty tight knit. Um, we do Sunday dinners every Sunday. So that's how we've been raised. Um, and I couldn't have asked for a better, I wouldn't have imagined anyone else being there. My mother wasn't actually there. Nobody was there for the delivery, but my husband and myself, because they had thought that the baby was going to come at 4 a.m. <laughs> um, so it's like as soon as they left, she made her arrival. But, you know, I'm like, I couldn't have asked for a better delivery. And even just knowing that they were there before, um, mm-hmm. the support was necessary. Absolutely. <laughs> People just wait until it's it is just mom and dad, you know. Like, right. <laughs> kind of relax fully, you know. You're not, you know, like you said, holding off to get your epidural because you because <laughs> you wanted mom to get out of there. Like, uh, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. describe your postpartum experience then. Um, postpartum. It was. I mean, it was an adjustment. It's funny because I joke now and I'm like, I feel like as mothers, you're just thrown into motherhood. Like, yes. there's no transition. There's no, like, don't worry, I'll hold her. Like, even in the deliver- after delivery, you go into the hospital. And I don't know, but in the movies, I don't know how the hospitals are there in Ohio or anywhere else, but you see that, like, they take the baby into, like, a nursery room and... um she woke up from her nap now. <laughs> um, they take the baby into the nursery room, but they didn't at my hospital. So it was kind of like, well, here she is. Um, she's with you for the next two days until you leave. And I'm like, wait, wait, how am I supposed to do this? This is my first rodeo. Like, I don't know how do I, and of course they're there to guide you, but I'm like, wow, I'm a mom. Like in this instant, um, and I don't think it stopped there. And there were some moments I think I struggled. Like once we got home, it was also an adjustment because my husband wasn't able to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily to me, I was ha- some people were coming in, popping in, but um, I just had to do it. And right. there were times where I'm just like, I just want a five-minute shower, please. Um, because that's just the struggle you go through at that moment. I don't think I really struggled, like, um, emotionally so much until, like, later on. So it didn't happen instantly, but I, then I, there was just moments where I realized, like, my life had changed. Um, you know, the waking up in the middle of the night, the, uh, um, just not being able to just jump up like you used to, and it's, like, all great things, but you're like, wow, life changes. And, and um, Friendships change sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just feel like the ones that used to call you about going out, they kind of know you can't go out anymore. So you no longer get those calls. And just like, it just so much happens so fast. Right. But, um, you know, and I sometimes I'm like, now yeah. if I think back, I'm like, wow, I may have been a little depressed at that moment because, I, you know, your body changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Your body changes so much. Um, You're not feeling the way you used to because of how you're healing. And um, it's just an adjustment overall. But, you know, like I keep saying, I think because of my journey, I just, even through that, I just feel just blessed to be able to have her. And I don't know if maybe I would have felt differently if it would have just been easier for me. But, like, 
I just couldn't, um, I was able to snap out of any moments where I was feeling down because I knew this is all I ever wanted. Um, and sometimes I wonder, like, I don't know if I even could identify like when I was in the moments that I was having moments, um, until now where I'm like, Oh yeah, that day, I think I was having a postpartum kind of depression moment, but I've kind of, I think going back to work and getting back to the routine of things kind of helped me get out of it. Um, because Mm -hmm. I went back to living my normal life. And then I also had the addition of a child. Um, So, right. So how much time was your husband able to take? Uh, two, three days. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and he had to just go back. Um, right back to work. So it was me and baby. Has he talked to you about that time? Like how he felt around then? Yeah. Um, you know, and I have to praise him because he still like was the one getting up in the middle of the night. Um, so I did breastfeed, but he used to just get up still. And I'm like, but you have to work. Don't worry about it. But he still was like, no, well, you have to get up. I got to get up too. And I really appreciated that because, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm like, he didn't have to, and I don't know. I'm I'm such a bedhead that I probably would have <laughs> left. And um, even when I went back to work, he, like, she was still waking up once that night, and it, he would get up. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, this isn't bad. <laughs> like, uh, you know, because you just, sometimes you hear so many stories of things that people go through, and I'm like, I'm so thankful to have him and mm. have had that support because, you know, he didn't, breastfeeding, what kind of assistance would he be? Um. I'm the one that has to feed, but he also knew that this was a journey we were doing together. So if that meant he had to get up and be tired at work, he was okay with that. Um, get up, get the water, funny. get the snacks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we obviously we have another child too. So it, you know, it got busy. Um, yeah. Now having a life with two children as opposed to just one, and, um, it just was a transformation. But he, you know, without him, I definitely... Um, wouldn't be able to do it at all and even till this point you know we have obviously years to go but I'm like some days even if he's like away to like a sporting event um, he plays sports um, and coaches it's like you're gonna be going all day I'm like what am I gonna do like I, I like really depend on him for like oh uh, like just assistance like oh she needs this bottle she needs a change she needs to eat she needs a it's like okay Oh, what am I going to do if you're going to be going from eight to eight? Um, but, you know, I'm thankful for that because it's a blessing to not people, not a lot of people have that support. And I also tend to, um, you know, praise those like who may be single mothers, who may not have the people there, but are still doing what they need to do to raise their children. Like kudos to them because I really don't know um, what I would do without him. Um, and even my, um, and I hate that daughter, but I guess to give her that title that everyone um, uses, um, she's even a blessing at six years old because she'll sit with Mia Hi. now and like yeah. play with her. Are you interviewing with me? Hmm? <laughs> um, she'll sit with her and play and entertain her if we need to do something. So it just, everything just seems to work. Um, and, you know, it's probably easier. Um, when I'm saying it and, you know, I try not to side too much in the um, bad 
moments. There were some times where I'm like, can you grab something? Yes, but, right. um, <laughs> can you get that, please? But it's, it's, all, it's all good now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about your birth and any advice that you would give or any resources, anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I think I just always want to say advocate for yourself and your health. Um, when you think something is wrong and if someone's giving you an answer you don't like, just don't settle for it. And just um, in your birth and journey, just make sure to always take time for yourself and your not only physical health, but your mental sanity. I think I you know, made sure I did a lot of things that still continue to make me happy so I didn't lose touch of myself yes. um, during pregnancy, after. Like, I knew it was important because um, one of, actually, my midwife said, okay, you have the baby, but just don't forget about you. Um, and so I did things I enjoyed, even though she was new. I, um, went, I went to the... Um, I went to the gym or I went for a walk or I went to Target for an hour by myself. Mm -hmm. I, you know, because some moms feel so guilty about doing that. Like they don't want to leave the baby. The baby's so new. They don't want to leave the baby by themselves for like, or not by themselves, but without them. Um, and they don't want to disconnect a little. And, you know, your baby's not going to hate you for leaving for one hour. Um, mm -hmm. Your baby will probably feel the energy that you give off from enjoying that time to yourself is very necessary. And um, even if it's a grandmother or a husband, whoever can and take the help, because I know that that is a big thing for me. I don't like to ask for help, mm -hmm. anybody. And I learned that with the child, I can't do it by myself. When they say it takes a village, it takes a village. And there's just some days where I'm like, you know what, I just need to go somewhere. So. If I can't, if my husband isn't available, I, my mom is my, always my go-to. And I'm so blessed to have her, too, because she just, even during the pregnancy, she would just pop in and give, have dinner for us or pop in and help me clean up. or You know, that's so needed. And sometimes I'm like, oh, no, don't come by. Don't worry about it. And then inside I'm like, no, I really could use you. Um, but you just have to take whatever you can get with open arms because, I just feel like that's why I didn't, like, um, break. And I know sometimes a lot of women have that break-in point um, early on because they're overwhelming themselves and trying to do too much. Um, and you can't. Like, you know, I, all think, I think all women are super women, but we also need some assistance and a partner in crime to help us. So um, that would be my advice. Um, second all of that because that is important for um, women not to feel that mom guilt about needing a moment yeah. like it's not even something you should really even have to ask for it's yes. like you leave you separate from us I need that too I need to be with right <laughs> and I remember even having that conversation with my husband like you go all day and go play football basketball and this one and I just need one hour, like one, one. I need one hour where I can just walk down the aisle and target without worrying about if Mia's hungry. Um, so, and, and I know friends even to this day, like with, 
babies who are seven, eight months, and it's like, no, I just feel so bad. And it's like, don't feel bad. Like, your child doesn't think that you're a bad mom if you are away for a little. Like, that's not going to make you a terrible mother. But I think it does take time um, to get to that point. It does. And it, and it does help when other women tell you, like, do this. Like, you yeah. Know, you know. <laughs> right. Then you feel normal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, like, we are not constantly always together, but I'm here most of the time. So, hey. Right. <laughs> and I think it's just important to share, like, just your journey with the IVF and just infertility issues in general, um, especially with dealing with people of color, um, it's often not a conversation our families are having, you know, Absolutely. Like, this person had a baby, that person had a baby and nobody's ever just like, I had a hard time having a baby, you know, nobody ever just says, Hey, this didn't come easy. You know, just because we have three kids doesn't mean that, you know, it didn't come easy or that we hadn't, didn't have to work for it in some other way. Um, right. And you see people and shoot, I and you know and I was like you know what I'm gonna do this podcast I'm gonna share it and I might have some people that be like oh no she didn't <laughs> but I may also inspire and motivate at least one person or make someone feel like okay I'm not alone and if I could be that source of guidance or light for somebody I'll take all the ten people that are shaking their head any day That's right. That's right. Um, I'm here to help others and I'm here to be any kind of support and guidance to anyone just as much as I've received in my life so I'm paying it forward <laughs> and hopefully this podcast will inspire someone <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for sharing it um it's just I couldn't even like when we ask people to want to share their stories and a lot of times it's, you know, everybody doesn't always show the background, you know, like, oh, we got pregnant and boom. Like, I, I'm thankful <laughs> for you sharing your journey, like the whole deal. Like, yeah, <laughs> the visual, I get, I get it. I totally get it, all of it. And I, um, just, you know, transitioning into life as a, a wife and then as a mother, um, a bonus mother, like you've done a lot of things in a short amount of time, you know? Yeah. That <laughs> your life has changed, you know? Like, yes. And that you're sharing it with us and our audience, and we just appreciate you. Thank you, and I appreciate you guys for having this platform that has today been my therapy. <laughs> well, cool. If you have found that you connected to any parts of today's show or are interested in more stories, please subscribe and let us know what you think. If you find yourself wanting to share your story, head over to birthstoriesincolor.com, complete a story submission. If you missed any parts or would like to check out the resources discussed during today's show, head over to the podcast section of birthstoriesincolor.com to access the show notes. Thanks again for listening and joining our community today. Thank you so much, Natalia. Thank I'm you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And so, Danielle, I said good luck with the delivery. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.
There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent. And yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories. From the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness with Atrix and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org.